Today I'm going to be meditating on the story of two valiant women from the Old Testament, Deborah and Jael. So uh, this is from Judges books, uh, the, the book of Judges chapters 4 and 5. So I'll start out by reading that and then I'll do the afterword and then I will do my retelling, which is a little bit from the eyes of both of them. So uh, this is Judges 4. When Ehud was dead, and Ehud was a previous judge of Israel, uh, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So this was like a pattern. Every time the Israelites were prosperous, then they would forget the Lord and fall away from him. And then they would stop keeping the law that God gave to Moses. So this was what was happening here again. So then verse 2 says, So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in um, Herosheth Hagoim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time, and she would sit under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the, in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam of, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, has not the Lord of Lord God of Israel commanded go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you about 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun, and against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites and pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zanim, which is beside Kadesh. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him, from Herosheth Hagoim to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and uh, and the army as far as Herosheth Hagoim. And, the, and all of the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. Then he said to her, Please give me a little little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, Stand at the door of the tent, and if any man comes and inquires of you and says, Is there any man here? You shall say, No. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. And it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. And then, as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and and said to him, Come, I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera, dead with a peg in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, in the presence of the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. 
Chapter 5. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when you went out from Sire, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens poured, the clouds also poured water. The mountains gushed before the Lord, this Sinai before the Lord God of Israel. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers walked among the byways. Village life ceased, and it ceased in Israel, until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. They chose new gods, and there was war in the gates. Not a shield or spear was seen among forty thousand in Israel. My heart is with the rulers of Israel, who offered themselves willingly with the people. Bless the Lord. Speak, you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire, and who walk along the road, far from the noise of the archers, among the watering places. There they shall recount the righteous acts of the Lord, the righteous acts for his villagers in Israel. Then the people of the Lord shall go down to the gates. Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, awake, sing a song. Arise, Barak, and lead your captives away, O son of Abinoam. Then the survivors came down, the peoples against the nobles. The Lord came down for me against the mighty. From Ephraim were those whose roots were in Amalek. After you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Machir, rulers came down, and from Zebulun, those who bear the recruiter's staff. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. As Issachar, so was Barak, sent into the valley under his command. Among the divisions of Reuben, there were great resolves of heart. Why did you sit among the sheepfolds to hear the pipings for the flocks? The divisions of Reuben have great searchings of heart. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan, and why did Dan remain on the ships? Asher continued at the seashore and stayed by his inlets. Zebulun is a people who jeopardized their lives to the point of death, Nathalie also, on the heights of the battlefield. The kings came and fought, that then the kings of Canaan fought in Tanakh, by the waters of Megiddo. They took no spoils of silver. They fought from the heavens. The stars from their courses fought against Sisera. The torrent of Kishon swept them away. That ancient torrent, the torrent of Kishon. O my soul, march on in strength. Then the horses whose pounded, the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Curse Miraz, said the angel of the Lord. Curse its inhabitants bitterly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord, to the help of the Lord against the mighty. Most blessed among women is Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. Blessed is she among the women women in tents. He asked for water, she gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tent peg, her right hand to the workman's hammer. She pounded Sisera. She pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. At her, at her feet he sank. He fell. He lay still. At her feet he sank. He fell. Where he sank, there he fell dead. The mother of Sisera looked through the window and cried out through a lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarries the clatter of his chariots? Her wisest ladies answered her. Yes, she answered herself. Are they not finding and dividing the spoil to every man a girl or two for Sisera? plunder of dyed garments, plunder of garments embroidered and dyed, two pieces of dyed embroidery for the neck of the looter. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land had rest for 40 years. Okay, so I'm going to start with kind of my uh, explanation of what I think uh, of what I think from what we just read, and then I'll go into my retelling. So Deborah was the only female judge recorded in Israel's history, and we don't know why that is or how she got into that position. Though we do know that she was a wife and a mother, unless the mention that she's a mother in Israel from Judges five seven from her song is just symbolic of her role over the people. When God instituted judges to help Moses, he was specifically instructed to appoint men to that position. But perhaps, as in the days of Gideon, the men of Israel were all so cowed by their oppressors that God could not find a man of faith, so he found a woman instead. Gideon eventually did as God asked, but it sure took a lot of convincing on God's part. 
We can see that faith is scarce by Barak's response when Deborah told him to go up against Sisera. He was so fearful that he insisted that she be the one to lead the armies into battle. And presumably, had he done what the Lord had commanded through the... Um, through Deborah without shrinking in fear, the glory for finishing off Sisera would have gone to him rather than to Jael. But it's easy to understand why the men were so fearful if you only look at the situation in the natural. They'd been oppressed by King Jabin for at least 20 years, and the Israelite armies had not one shield or spear among 40,000. That's what it says in that song in Judges 5.8, compared to Sisera, who had 900 chariots of iron. Most of the tribes of Israel refused to heed Barak's call, too. So that was what uh, part of the song when it went through Judges 5.13 to 18, it was listing all of the tribes that decided that they didn't want to fight because they were fearful too. So even their numbers were pitiful compared to what they might have been. But it didn't matter. The Lord caused the river Kishon to sweep the chariots away. And that was from the song Judges 521 verse 21. And this might have been due to rain overflowing the banks and the water from the mountains rushing down into the banks as well. And that we kind of get that from the uh, verses four and five of the Judges 5, the song. Um, perhaps this was uh, due to Perhaps it was due to the marshy conditions from this that the chariots got stuck and were thus rendered useless. Regardless, when the Israelites came against Sisera's far more powerful army, they killed every last one of them. We see that in Judges 4.16 by the sword. Swords they didn't even have to begin with. Sisera alone managed to flee on foot. And since the Israelites had no swords, presumably they took their enemy's own swords and used those against them. Heber, meanwhile, was mentioned just before the verse that someone told Sisera of the assembly of Barak's army. So presumably he was the one who tattled. Sisera would have felt safe in Jael's tent because she was Heber's wife, but he assumed that she shared her husband's political views. Oops, apparently not. Um, Jael's action can be considered an act of war rather than murder. She wasn't permitted to fight openly on the battlefield, so she just did what she could. Any of the soldiers on the battlefield would have been delighted to do the same had they been given the chance. So this is a story of God's justice and redemption for his people who have been massively oppressed for a very long period of time, even when everything is against them. This is a really great story of faith from that standpoint. Okay, so here is my retelling, um, starting from the eyes of Deborah. The two disputing Israelite women, now reconciled, made their way down through the mountains of Ephraim. I sat alone under my palm tree now, awaiting the next case the Israelites would bring before me for judgment. This was my favorite part, though, the moments in between, the moments of peace, where I could just listen to the wind whipping through the palm branches above my head. I closed my eyes, letting the breeze caress my face. It is time. My eyes flew open. The sound came to my spirit like a whisper, and yet I knew it as the voice of the Lord. My heart beat faster because I knew what he meant, too. I had been pleading since early child, early adulthood, for the past twenty years, to deliver us from the oppressive hand of King Jabin of Canaan. We were the Lord's people, and he had given the land of Canaan to us, and yet, due to our disobedience, he had allowed us to be oppressed by our enemies. We had not one spear or shield among forty thousand Israelites, not even the means to defend ourselves. We had no money to pay for the men to pay the men who risked their lives on our behalf. I had expected the Lord to provide both of those things before a military approach would be feasible. And yet, with neither weapons nor money, and most of Israel still trembling in fear, God still told me, it is time. What should I do, Lord? I asked aloud. What came next was an impression, rather than words. I saw Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh, of the tribe of Naphtali. He was on Mount Tabor, with a sea of Israelite men, though I knew, without counting, that there were ten thousand of them. They were sons of Naphtali and of Zebulun. I saw Sisera, commander of Jabin's armies, coming against him, his nine hundred chariots of iron all around. The battle took place at the river Kishon. Despite the inequality of weapons and the fact that Cicero was not taken unawares, in my vision, Cicero's entire army fell before Barak's. You have shown this to Barak as well? I asked the Lord out loud. 
I sensed that the answer was yes. The next person I saw cresting the hill to where I sat was my husband Lapidoth and our three children. They skipped like little lambs and I stood up grinning to welcome them. Lapidoth had a basket slung over his arm, which I knew contained whatever food he was able to scrounge up for our midday meal. It was never much, but we never went hungry either. The Lord always provided. Busy today? He asked me as we all settled down to eat. My eyes shone as I told him what the Lord had shown me. Would you summon Barak when you return to the valley? I asked. I must speak with him today. Lapidoth did as I asked, and several hours later, just at the golden hour before sunset, I saw Barak cresting the hill alone. He was a large, thickly built man, with a heavy brow and an expression etched in stone. He looked every bit the military commander. Has not the Lord of God of Israel already told you what you were to do? I asked him, and described what I saw. Thus says the Lord, I will deliver Sisera into your hand at the river Kishon. Barak shuffled his feet, cleared his throat, and did not answer me immediately. At last, he said, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. I stared at him, not sure I heard him right. This man weighed as much as three of me. I was a wife and mother. True, God had placed me as a judge over Israel, though I had always wondered why he had chosen a woman for the position when Moses had originally indicated the job should be held by able men, such as fear God, men of truth, to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, and let them judge the people of all seasons. Men, he had specified. Yet here I was. Was that because God could not find a man worthy to fill the role? Of course, I never intimated these thoughts to my husband, who chafed enough that I held a position of leadership in Israel when he did not. But now I saw before me the man God had chosen to lead his armies, and yet he had so little faith that he would demand a wife and a mother lead troops into battle for him. When I recovered my tongue, I said sternly, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Barak looked less chagrined at this than I thought he should have. Truth to tell, he looked more relieved than anything else. I arose and went with him to his home of Kadesh, and he sent messengers to the tribes of Israel to recruit soldiers willing to obey the, Lord, the word of the Lord. I was appalled, but not surprised, when entire tribes refused. Reuben, Gilead, Asher, and Dan sent not a single man. We had a few from Ephraim and from Benjamin, but the bulk of the army, as I had seen in my vision, were from Naphtali and Zebulun. They arrived at Mount Tabor in the, in the coming days, bearing what weapons they could find, pitchforks and other instruments of harvesting, stones and homemade slingshots. My heart swelled with, pro, with the pride of these men who did Israel proud, unlike their brothers. Oh, Lord, there are still some who believe in you. Yes, daughter, I heard in my spirit, there are always a few. Down below, Sisera had somehow gotten word that Israel had assembled troops against him. But that was all right. I had expected from my vision that he would. I felt the men grow apprehensive around me as they watched the chariots of iron assembling from Harosheth Hagoim into the, to the river Kishon. They looked from the chariots down below to their makeshift weapons of farming equipment, their expressions ranging from apprehension to terror. I suppressed a sigh of exasperation. Up, I declared to Barak, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? I led the charge down the mountain toward the army below, though I had no weapon in my hand at all. As soon as Barak saw me move, he kept pace with me and soon outstripped me. His legs were much longer than mine. The 10,000 troops kept pace with him, and I soon found myself lost in the thick of the fighting men. When we reached the river Kishon, where Sisera's armies awaited us, I was confused at first why he did not direct his chariots to surge forward to meet us. Then I saw that their chariots had been rendered useless to them, the wheels stuck in the marshy ground left over from the rain. Sisera's army had alighted from their chariots to try to dislodge them when when Israel descended upon them with a mighty war cry. In short order, the men of Israel had slain their first victims and stolen their swords, at which point they tore through the rest of the army. But I fixed my gaze upon one man whose chariot looked more impressive than all the others. When it became 
became apparent that he could not dislodge it from the marshy ground, and the first wave of Israelites defeated the, fir- the front lines of his army. He alighted from the chariot and fled on foot. He ran in the direction of the terebinth tree at Zanaim, where I suspected his allies were. Behind him, the Israelites slew every last man of his army. He alone escaped. My eyes narrowed at that man. That, I knew, was Sisera. Jael. My husband Heber was a traitor. We Kenites had historically been allied with the children of Israel as descendants of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. But Heber was an opportunist and decided to ally himself with Jabin, the king of Canaan, instead. He would never fail to side with whomever he thought would benefit him the most. We had moved away from the rest of the Kenites, away from everyone we had ever known, and pitched our tent at Zanim, where Heber could spy on Israel and report what he had learned to Sisera, Jabin's military leader. Since Zanim was right next to Kadesh, Heber saw when Barak assembled his armies at Mount Tabor. It was he who had alerted Sisera to gather his chariot so that Barak's army would not take him unawares. Heber had gone early that morning to watch what he expected to be the massacre of the Israelites from a safe distance. Hours went by. I was grateful to have the data myself, at least, but I spent most of it fuming. I hated King Jabin. I hated Sisera. I hated Heber. I wanted to be an Israelite again, or at least an ally to the Israelites. I wanted to belong to their god. But I was no soldier. I was left out of all machinations as I was only a woman. What could I do? Suddenly I froze, hearing a noise I couldn't quite make out at first. The sound slowly sharpened into the pounding of feet on the ground, and when it got close enough, I heard that it was accompanied by panting as well. Frowning, I approached the flap of my tent and pulled it aside. Sisera stood before me, alone and on foot, streaming with perspiration. "'Please, my lady,' he gasped, dropping his hands to his knees as he caught his breath. "'May I trouble you for your hospitality?' I blinked quickly, my mind whirring. Fortunately, my mouth worked faster than my brain, and I at once affected womanly concern. "'Oh, turn aside, my lord. Turn aside to me. Do not fear.' I stepped aside to let the graceful, com- grateful commander pass into my tent. I knew already what I planned to do. I just did not yet know how. All of my men have been slaughtered, Sisera confessed to me, eyes wild with fear. I alone escaped on foot, as you see, and, I'm not, and I am sure that the Israelites are pursuing me now, too. Never fear. I will keep your secret, I soothed and gestured to our own bedding on the ground. Rest from all your worries. You will need to sleep for a while to have your wits about you for whatever comes next. Whatever, indeed. With no further prompting, Sisera collapsed on the bed. I clucked my tongue as I pulled a blanket over him and watched him close his eyes. "'Please, give me a little water to drink,' he croaked, for I am thirsty. "'I will do better than that,' I cooed. "'I have a jug of milk.' I went and retrieved it. As if he were an invalid or a child, I lifted it to his lips. He drank greedily, the cream running down his chin. He wiped it away with his forearm and lay back again with a sigh of contentment and relief. "'Stand at the door of the tent,' he begged. "'And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, "'Is there any man here, you shall say no.' I will, my lord, I murmured. Now close your eyes and rest a while. He needed no further encouragement. Within a few moments, I heard the soft sounds of his rhythmic breathing, followed by occasional snores. I smiled and went outside the tent, pulling up one of the the tent pegs. I wiped off its dirt upon my skirts and then went back inside, rummaging around for the hammer my husband had used to place it in the first place. Then, grasping the peg in one hand and the hammer in the other, I approached the sleeping commander. He still snored peacefully. Ever so gently, I placed the peg at his temple so as not to wake him. Then, heart pounding, I hammered it in, straight through to the ground. Only a woman, I thought and smiled. I wiped the blood on my skirts right next to the dirt and calmly walked to the tent entrance to wait for the Israelites whom Sisera had said would be hot on his trail. I recognized Barak as the commander of the Israelite army by the way he was dressed and flagged him down. Come, I said, I will show you the man whom you seek. He followed me inside and gasped. Then he let out an incredulous chuckle. 
The Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman, he murmured, but to himself as if quoting something. Then he looked at me. He thought, I thought he meant Deborah. Your judge? I asked, confused. Barak nodded. I certainly never thought he meant the wife of our enemy. I stiffened. Do not judge me with my husband. We do not see eye to eye, to say the least. No, I can see that, Barak agreed with a glance at the dead man in my bed. After Barak, waves of other Israelites followed, including the famous prophetess herself. Together, Barak and Deborah composed a song of worship to the Lord on the spot, singing about the great victory the Lord had given them, both at the river and here in my tent. I choked back tears when they sang about me. The rest of the Israelite soldiers learned the song as, as they composed it, singing along. I found myself singing along, too. What will Heber say, I wondered with fierce pride, to come home and find that his wife is now the blessed of Israel? So I hope that helped it to come alive to you. Thanks for joining me, and I will see you next week. If you're enjoying these retellings and these biblical meditations, I just wanted to let you know that I have put together all of my retellings of Jesus' miracles in a book called Messiah Biblical Retellings. You can get it on Amazon in ebook or in paperback, and the audiobook is coming soon. Um, and it is written under my pen name, which is C.A. Gray. So I will link in the show notes to where you can go to get this if you're interested. Thanks again for listening. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.